You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's a Friday on Crunch Time, which means it's time for some fun. There you go. Welcome into Crunch Time here on the game at Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. That opening line did not go as I thought it would. Uh, Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. The Cajuns last night said no Jordan Brown, no problem, winning by 15 over Troy. Cajun women getting a big win on the road as well. And then McNeese splitting. Women dominating incarnate word while the men fell just a little bit short. We're also going to talk college baseball, the top stories in sports, and preview your conference championship games this weekend in the world of the NFL. My co-host and producer is the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Friday, sir. Are you ready for 60 hours of not talking to me? Oh, dude, it's the best part of the week. I know, you're so excited. (laughs) You're so excited. Best part of the week. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. How about you? Uh, It's a Friday. Yeah. I'm breathing. I can't complain too much. I was going to say, I mean... There, there's not much to complain about here. As as the running joke is, you're living the dream. Yeah. I don't say that, but yes. You used to. I know. A lot. Just like interesting and... You know, <laughs> however... and however, and I've, I've got a lot of crutches that I need to ditch. But... One... And like you talk about, oh that. yes, let, let's make fun of Matt. Come no, 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 no. I, that's not where I was going with that. That's not where I was going at all. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say there was somebody else that always says living the dream. I think it's on. He's on like Instagram. I think his name is like J Prehistorics. He just has like a bunch of reptiles. It's like every time he's got like a giant snake, he's like, oh yeah, living the dream. Oh my god, like, got a giant python in your hands. Chill. Uh, that that would not be the dream. Not for you. No. No, sir. You don't love animals like that. Not, not, not like that. Not, not reptiles. No, oh, absolutely dude. not. Reptiles are awesome. Uh, anything that can kill me, I'm gonna stay away from. Just, just to be fair, uh, your poll question of the day: Who's playing in the Super Bowl? Is it Chiefs Niners? Is it Chiefs Eagles? Is it Bengals Niners? Or is it Bengals Eagles? Let's get your votes in on Facebook and Twitter. So far, looking at the results that we have so far today, 41.8% say Bengals Niners. Yeah. 40.5% say Bengals Eagles. 12% say Chiefs Eagles. And 5% say Chiefs Niners. It's going to be the Bengals and the Niners. I just, I have this, this premonition that Elijah Mitchell is going to have 120 yards and three touchdowns. And then Joe Burrow throws for five touchdowns. Hey, wake up. Yeah. We're in the real world. <laughs> okay, 
Elijah Mitchell has 60 yards and a red zone touchdown. That's more realistic. While Joe Burrow has 320 yards passing and three touchdowns. Those are both fairly realistic options. Is that your parlay? Hey, that that might work. That that might not be a bad idea. Speaking of parlays, our weekly Roll the Dice article with your picks to click on Conference Championship Weekend will be available on our website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com bright and early tomorrow morning. Plenty of time for you to get those picks in before the games get underway on Sunday and even the college basketball games that we're picking get underway tomorrow evening. So some top stories to look at. Andy Reid has confirmed that Patrick Mahomes will start for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Bengals Sunday evening. James Mesh, are we surprised? Are we shocked? No. Nope. Not even close. Nope. Not even a little bit. Championship. Not even a little bit. The only way Patrick Mahomes isn't playing is if he tore a major ligament or broke a bone. And even then he might play. It's like he and it's like depending on the bone, he might still play. Right. Looking at some, you know, looking at that game, Joe Burrow three and zero against the Chiefs in his career. So so good on the road against the Chiefs that they have jokingly started calling the stadium Burrowhead. Mm-hmm. First of all, that is genius. That is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, I just I think the Bengals might have too much on offense. James? You know, I was worried last week with that matchup with the Bills, but man, the way Joe came out and... The Bengals' offense just marched right down the field and scored. It's like, okay, you know, they might they might be able to get something going here. And I, I kind of see the same thing happening on Sunday. I think the Bengals are, are, are going to play solid defense with Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson really getting behind and rattling Patrick Mahomes. And then on offense, I think Joe Burrow is going to have himself a day. He's going to find T. Higgins. He's going to find Jamar Chase. And he's going to make things happen for the Bengals. And I think the Bengals go to their second straight Super Bowl. And this might be a little bit of a hot take here. Super hot, super hot. I think the Bengals win it this time around. I think they win the Super Bowl this time around. James? This guy's trying to go all the way into the future. He's trying to go two weeks ahead. I mean, look, you got to do what you got to do. You call me a line jumper. You're just a game jumper. You're just you're just going you're just going all the way ahead, that, bud. That doesn't have the same ring. No, it doesn't. And I really got to start. I really got to stop calling you line jumper and start calling you a line crosser. Yeah, it was like I don't know why you said jump. Just, I'm not jump man. I'm not Jordan. I mean, I've seen I, you got some hops. It's it's not there anymore. <laughs> I'd have to start I'd have to start working out again. Looking at some more top stories, Tua Tagovailoa. Oh, you want to try that one again? I butchered that. I know. <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa. Thank you. Still in concussion protocol. And you're wondering how long has it been now? A month. Matt and James. A month. It's been a month. Oh boy. The man has still not been cured of a concussion 
after a month, and he has been ruled out of next week's Pro Bowl games. Oh, buddy. You're going to kind of start asking the question, does he retire early? Are we going to see like another Luke Keekly? I mean, you're, you're, start, you're starting to mess with the wrong demons if you're still in concussion protocol a month after it happened. Because we've seen what happens with guys that have had a lot of head trauma. We see what happens. And we and it's not just Luke Keekley who retired early. We're talking about some other people that did some bad things to themselves because they weren't right in the head anymore. And it was big cause of head injuries was that concussions. His, that was his third concussion it was a, it was either or, his second or his third I can't, I can't remember if the, there was obviously there was the one with there with, was one in week four because the week three one where they didn't diagnose it correctly so then he got a second one in week four in week four and then he had the last one in week 16 in week 16 because I don't think there was one in the middle of the season no so two possibly three. If you if you count the first one as being a misdiagnosed one, that's technically three. Three concussions in one calendar year. That's not good. Oh man, that's rough. You're 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 messing like like I said. You're you're starting to bark up the wrong tree at uh, at that point. Um, I mean, especially in the last couple of years where CTE has become a real thing and. Doctors are starting to learn more and more about head injuries, and that that's just not a good situation for uh, for Tua to be in. The Rams have hired a new offensive coordinator, Mike Lafleur, the brother of Packers head coach Matt Lafleur, will be the new offensive coordinator in LA, and this comes after the Jets and Lafleur parted ways earlier this month. The Rams struggled on offense this year. And they're they're looking for a little bit of a spark. I still see Sean McVay calling the plays, though. I don't I don't know if McVay can get rid of 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 that role of of calling the plays. So I'm interested to see is adding Lafleur at all at OC even really going to change anything. I think it's going to be kind of like the same situation with Carmichael and Peyton, where McVay's still going to be that guy to call the plays, but you're going to have LaFleur be in there to kind of help try and figure out an offense and kind of get a different perspective. Be like, hey, let's maybe add this to the playbook. Let's try this, this concept. But overall, it's still going to be the main guy. It's still right. going to be McVay still calling the plays on game day. Yeah, absolutely. And then another big story. This one's – I love watching sports memorabilia get auctioned off for, like, record prices. LeBron's Game 7 jersey from the 2013 NBA Finals, a night where he dropped 37 points to win the Heat's second straight championship over the Spurs, sold at an auction earlier this week for $3.7 million. That is the third highest price ever paid for a jersey and the most paid for a LeBron James jersey. 3.7 3.7 James if you had 3.7 million dollars to spend not just had 3.7 disposable mm-hmm. 3.7 million dollars yeah are you spending it on a jersey not on a lebron jersey no i mean fair <laughs> not fair i wouldn't spend it on a lebron james jersey either no. unless i knew i could turn it around for 4 million i'm not one to put all of my eggs necessarily into one basket when it comes to purchases 
I, I'm more of one to go get a bunch of different stuff to me that's really cool, and that would mean a lot to me. And you see, I love jerseys. I love I'm, jerseys, I'm, too. I'm a jersey collector, but goal, $3.7 million. No, I'm buying, I'm buying me a Porsche, buying a truck. That better, that better be Jason Tatum's 101-point game jersey. I'm buying a house and then figure out the rest. Probably invest the rest of it. I'm not buying one LeBron James jersey. If it, if it was one single jersey, it better be Jason Tatum's 101-point game. The night game. he breaks the scoring record. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Or he gets his seventh NBA title. I don't know. Something like that. Cole, you think he's going to win that many? No, I'm just throwing it out there. I was about to say he he would have probably already need one or two by this point if he wanted to if he wanted to end up with seven. Kid's still young though. Kid's only 24. That, you see, that's wild. Mm-hmm. He's been in the league what four years now since 2018. So yeah, four years. Or, now. No, no, no. 20. I'm sorry. It was a 2017 draft. He was the third pick. It was Jalen Brown who was 2016. That's so the 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 one and done like it's crazy because nineteen year olds playing in the NBA and it's funny because not only that and it's like you have quarterbacks playing to like they're thirty eight but you have NBA players playing like that too because yeah. they're not taking the big hits like football players Correct. do. Correct. So even though they're starting their NBA career at nineteen twenty twenty one years still old until thirty eight thirty nine yeah. That's so because like so you'll nuts. look at Katie and you're like, oh my god, he's in, he's been in the league forever. He's 33. It's like okay, and he's still got five more years. Yeah, he, he's look still, at LeBron. He's still balling. LeBron been balling since 18. God, no, LeBron's been balling since about 16. in the NBA. Yeah, that God, that guy. He he's gonna catch Kareem's scoring record. But anyways, Ralph's funny. He said at the price of eggs, if you put them all in one basket, it could be 3.7 million dollars. <laughs> That's not inaccurate. Ben Upton of the 11.7 podcast. He will join us at 4.30. We'll do college baseball previews for LSU, Louisiana, and McNeese. And then at 5 o'clock, top of hour number two, Jake Crane will join us for Jake's takes. We'll get his thoughts on the conference championship games and much more on this Friday fun show. We'll be back right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Four teams, two games, one day. And the winners go to Super Bowl 57. It's the NFL Conference Championship matchups. First, watch Nick Bosa and the 49ers head to Philly to take on Jalen Hurts and the high-flying Eagles. Then it's off to Kansas City where Joe Burrow and the Bengals look for a fourth straight win over Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. The action begins at 2.30 on Sunday, and you can listen to it all right here on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's number one sports station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 421 here on your Friday. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball team improving to 17-4 and on the season with a 72-57 victory over the Troy Trojans last night inside the Cajun Dome. 
There was a little bit of concern before the game because the Cajuns have been notoriously known for having the same starting lineup in every game so far this season. Well, last night, when the starting lineup did not include Jordan Brown, people panicked. He missed last night's game with the illness, but according to Coach Marlin and the players that were interviewed post-game, he is expected to be back with the team tomorrow night when they take on Georgia Southern. Looking at the the recap of the game, the Cajuns started off super just on fire. At the 13-20 mark of the first half, the Cajuns were up 22 to 5 in that in this game. The Cajuns ended up shooting 48% from the field. They led 41 to 17 at the half. Let Troy come back in it a little bit in the second half. Troy outscored the Cajuns 40 to 31. But again, no Jordan Brown, no problem. 21 points from Greg Williams, 9 of 15 from the field. Terrence Lewis with 11 rebounds and Thamus Folks with 7 assists. The Cajuns out-rebounded Troy 34 to 31 and the Cajuns only turned the ball over. 11 times in the contest. Kobe Julian had a big night in what seems like it's been a while. You know, Kobe Julian's suffered multiple ACL tears, really struggled to just find his game again after going through those injuries the last couple of years. And uh, he, he's really been patient and waited for the right opportunity, scoring 14 points last night, including a great shooting night from three. And following the win, Kobe Julian said, the game left him speechless. Uh, it felt great, honestly. Uh, just thinking about everything that I've been through and just my teammates pushing me, really. So I just, just I'm speechless, honestly, because it's just a lot that I've been having to go through and just been waiting to just do. And it's been very hard, honestly, just leaving speechless. For- Bob Marlin, following the win, also spent some time talking about his sophomore forward. Yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, Kevin and BJ and I talked today, and he said, you need to keep Kobe's confidence up. And I told him yesterday, I'm, I'm going to play at the four some tomorrow. Uh, if Jordan can't go, and you, you'll be able to get out and stay out on the floor longer. And he shot that first when Coach Z was sitting next to me, and he goes, please get in there. And he made it, and then he got his confidence, and he made a bomb, the last one from, from the logo. In 14 minutes of work, Julian had 11 points, three assists, a rebound, a steal, and a block on four of five shooting. Once again, Greg Williams with 21, Folks with 12, Terrence Lewis with 14 for the Cajuns. They had four players score in double figures. Bob Marlin gave his thoughts on the win over Troy following the victory. Jumped off to a good lead because we played fantastic defense. Uh, again, just like we have, that was the goal, like the last two games Southern Miss, Georgia State at home, uh, even the other games, Louisiana Christian and uh, Samford, we got off to good leads in the first half, and we did it by playing great defense. So we tried to do that tonight, and we did it, and I was really proud of our guys. They're a good team and a good defensive team, and they're a good three-point shooting team, and we really focused on taking that away, and they made two uh, for the evening. Now, they got a couple of easy buckets, but we bent but didn't break. And I, I told the team and I told Jay, it was kind of like playing Denver. 
when I first got here, and it's either a back door or three, but you can't do both. And I'm not real smart, but two's less than three. So guys did a great job, and really proud of Kobe Julian stepped up. Thought T. Lou had a double-double. Greg Williams was dynamite again, and uh, we, we made a statement win. And I- Bob Marlin also talked about the team playing without their star forward and preseason player of the year in Jordan Brown. Well, yesterday uh, we knew that he wouldn't, and, and uh, disappointed Isaiah didn't play better. He's done a really good job in practice, and uh, we were hoping that he would come out and, and really get a bunch of rebounds, and he got in quick foul trouble, and uh, we, we pulled him out. But we knew yesterday, and, and it, we geared our offense to some different things without JB out there. And the guys stepped up in a big way, too. And that's why Coach Perrin uh, said this was a statement win by our team. Staying on the Cajuns' side of things, going on the road for the women last night to Georgia Southern and Hanner Fieldhouse. Cajuns picking up a 10-point, 68-58 victory. Lene Wheaton leading the way for the Cajuns with 19 points on 8 of 13 shooting. It was a game where at the half, the Cajuns had a 41 to 26 lead, but we're outscored 33 to 26 in the second half to close the gap ever so slightly with the victory. The Cajuns improved to 12 and 9 on the year, 6 and 3 in the Sun Belt, while Georgia Southern falls to 13 and 5 and 5 and 4 in the Sun Belt Conference. The Cajun women now one game out of first place, and they will be on the road once again tomorrow. Going over to McNeese. Two different sides of the tape. The McNeese women were absolutely dominant. Try 69-34 to 34 over Incarnate Word last night on the road, might I add. Incarnate Word lost by 35 at home. Let that sink in for a second. At halftime, it was 40-16 to 16 in favor of the Cowgirls, and they really just didn't look back outscoring the Cardinals 29-18 to 18 down in the second half. Your leading scorer for the Cowgirls, Paris Mullins, the junior forward out of Georgia with 11 points on the night. She also added in 12 rebounds and two assists, shot 80% from the field. In a game where McNeese really led from start to finish. And then tomorrow they will play Texas A&M Corpus Christi in a 1 p.m. tip-off. And then for the men, just really can't get back on the right track. Falling for the sixth straight game to Incarnate Word this time, 70-65. to 65. Christian Shoemate, 18 points, 7 of 14 shooting on the night. But Incarnate Word was led by STM product Jonathan Cease, 24 points on 9 of 15 shooting. The Cowboys are now 5-16. and 16. Two and six in the Southland, while Incarnate Word improves to nine and twelve, three and five in the conference. Both McNeese and the Cajuns back in action tomorrow against the Cowboys against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, while the men's will play Georgia Southern and the Cajun women will be on the road once again. Now, look looking at college basketball in general. Tomorrow, the LSU Tigers will play Texas Tech in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. LSU 
again, talking about McNeese struggling. LSU men's basketball, James, struggling. Texas Tech, it's a good opportunity for, for Matt McMahon to get some confidence built. Texas Tech struggling as well coming into this game at 10-10. and 10. This game will be broadcasted right here on the game with pregame at 12.30 and tip-off set for one. K.J. Williams looking to have another big night, averaging 17.4 points on the season, but really had a struggle against Arkansas. Couldn't really get any offense going as the whole team only scored 40 points on the night, while for Texas Tech, Kevin O'Banner coming into this game averaging 15 points for the season. One thing to note, Texas Tech scores 74.5 points a game, while the Tigers have only managed 66.5. But another another stat to look at, we talk about Texas Tech being 10-10. and 10. James, they started 10-2, and 2, and they're on an eight-game losing streak. So who's losing streaks getting snapped in Pete's Palace tomorrow? We don't know. We got to find out. So tune in tomorrow, 1 o'clock, pregame at 1230, right here on the game. Ben Upton joins us next to talk college baseball here on the game. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 435 here on your Friday. Met me, guys, James Mesh. Welcome back to Crunch Time. You know, when the calendar turns January, almost February, there's this great smell in the air of peanuts and beer. It's baseball season's back, baby. Ben Upton of the 11.7 podcast here to preview it all. Ben, long time no talk, man. How are you? Big Matt, man. I'm excited to be here. I'm doing well. And uh, like you said, you can just smell the, the peanuts and the beer just creeping towards the nostrils. It's about to be the best time of the year. So... Looking at the three teams that we're going to talk about today, there's a lot of expectation for each of these programs, and we'll start with LSU, the consensus preseason number one. I mean, you look at the roster, you look at the pitching staff, it is loaded. Yeah, I mean, LSU is the best team I've seen on paper uh, to start a college baseball season since, I mean, probably before I was born. You know what I mean? The The... The amount of talent that they have that was proven at LSU last year alone was good. And then go and get probably the best two-way player that we've seen in a long time and Paul Skeens coming from Air Force. And then the best freshman season we've ever seen and uh, Tommy White coming over. And then you get guys like Christian Little and uh, from Vanderbilt who was a highly you know recruited kid out of high school as, as a starting pitcher. Um, and, and you just you, you add those pieces to an already solid team um, it, it makes very high expectations for this year, um, but we're going to have to see them do it as a team because, as we both know, college baseball, it's kind of a grind. You're playing four or five games a week, uh, every week for 12, 13 weeks, and then none of that matters once the postseason starts if you get there because if you're not playing good ball at the end of the year, it, you're going to get eliminated in a regional. So, um but expectations, I mean, this is, the, this is the best team I've seen on paper probably in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, you, you everywhere you look, Dylan Cruz, Tommy White, 
Braden Jobert, Jordan Thompson, Trey Morgan at first base. I mean, you have so much talent up and down the lineup. There, I mean, Jay Johnson's having a hard time right now just putting a lineup together because of how much talent they have. Yeah, and uh, I know he's been approached by hundreds of MLB scouts because, you know, it, it, of course Dylan Cruz should probably go number one overall this year um, unless there's another emerging candidate that has a good year. But talent-wise, he's, he's everything that you would ever want in a pro prospect. But then he's, you know, getting, you know having to answer questions on, like, who's going to be your Friday night guy? Who's going to hit cleanup? You know, what, what, are the, what, what kind of pieces are you going to roll around are you going to move Tommy White to third base instead of first base because you have Trey Morgan there? Um, but I felt like every every article I've read about his interviews, he's done a really good job of um, you know maintaining the same focus of like the best guys are going to play, and you know it doesn't matter their their draft prospects or not. Like if if they're not doing what we need them to, you know we're going to fill it in with the next best guy. So um, yeah, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff on his plate this year, but he's handled it really well. And then you know you look at the SEC as a whole. You know, Texas A&M having a great year last year. They're looking to be even better. Arkansas, Tennessee, Vandy, Kentucky, even Florida's back to, to their old ways. Ole Miss is the defending national champ. I mean, there's there's no easy weekend series in the SEC. There's zero. Absolutely zero. I mean, you look down, you know, last three or four years, you could say Missouri you know, should automatically be a series win. Well, this year they won't. You know, they're going to be highly competitive. Um, same with teams like Kentucky, South Carolina. Um, but th- both of those teams are, are bringing back a lot of talent, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a grind. I mean, it's, it, there's not going to be an easy weekend in the SEC this year unless a team just falls flat on their face and have injuries and, and don't play well together. Um, but on paper, I mean, this is the best conference by far. and It's not even close. And then, you know, going over to Lake Charles, we'll look at McNeese now, 34-23 and 23 a year ago, falling short in the Southland Conference Championship Series, uh, two games to one to Southeastern, and just falling short of a NCAA tournament appearance. But you know, a lot of their team came back from last year. They're hungry. They've got a good coaching staff. What can you tell us about the Cowboys and, and their quest to win the Southland this time around? Right. So, I mean, the, the, the Cowboys have – at least over like the last five or six years, been one of the top dogs in the Southland. And, you know, with all the conference realignment stuff and teams moving out of the, uh, out of the conference, um, you know, they, they, they remain that anchor in the conference of talented team, has pro prospects, and a really, really good head coach. Um, so it, when it comes down to like mid-majors, um, you know, with the transfer portal and everything and uh, NIL money, you know, they don't have the luxury that some of the, the top teams or the biggest bigger schools have, but what they do have is um, the moment they step foot on campus as a freshman, they have a goal that that they want to achieve, and then they have the ability to go after junior college talent that's been overlooked because of the transfer portal. Um, you know, four or five years ago, teams like Auburn and uh, you know Tennessee, Texas A&M, they would go and, and pick the best JUCO talents, but now. They're kind of roaming more towards like let's go pick the best talent across the country that's already proven at the Division One level. We'll get them in the transfer portal, and uh, so that the junior college, you know, for mid-major teams, they can really use that to their advantage. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, looking at McNeese's roster, there's a ton of community college and JUCO college guys. You know, are are you a fan of going that route, or are you one of those guys that prefers, you know, getting high school talent and developing them over time? 
<laughs> well, uh, I did spend a year playing junior college baseball. Uh, I played at Blinn College over in Burnham, Texas for a year. And, uh, I mean, I, that was the best decision I ever made because, you know, one, I started at the Division One level, had a really good year, and we had coaching changes and a, and a bunch of stuff at, at the first college I went to. So instead of, like, transferring and having to sit out a year, like we had to back then, uh, went to a junior college for a year and really just developed as a player. Um, junior college guys, it's baseball first for them because classes typically are pretty easy. So they spend six, seven, eight hours a day either at the cages, lifting weights, or on the practice field because there's no there's no time restrictions on, on practices in junior college. So um, you get a team full of just JUCO bandits, as they call them, um, that are just ready to grind and ready to get after it. It really lifts the energy of uh, of the whole team. You know, freshmen start buying in early, uh, and then even the seniors, you know, kind of light something um, on, on their behalf too where – like they have to just keep up with the with the new energized players. So uh, I always love. Like if I was a head coach, I would be picking up uh, junior college talent like crazy. Chatting with Ben Upton, host of the Eleven Point Seven podcast. Now we'll go to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who just had a great year last year, winning the Sun Belt Conference, making it to Regional Sunday against Texas A and M and TCU. And, you know, you walked away from that season, and Matt Deggs' message was they had unfinished business. And now you have most of that roster returning, including your key pieces, and guys like Julian Brock and Carson Rockefort, Max Marshak, and Kyle DeBarge. Talk about, you know, this group that Matt Deggs has coming back and the, the expectation going into this season should be even higher than it was in 2022. Yeah, so I'll start at the top of the pyramid. Uh, Matt Deggs, in my opinion, is a top five college baseball coach in, in the country. Um, he's somebody that, you know, one, no nonsense. If you're, if you're not buying into the program, then go find somewhere else to play because what he preaches is the truth. Um, so I've always been a huge Matt Deggs fan. He recruited me a little bit out of junior college when he was at Sam Houston State right before he left to come back to um, the Raging Cajuns. But uh, I mean, you, you just sit down and talk to him for five minutes, and you're like, wow, this guy's a real deal. So um, a lot of credit is to him for picking out who who he thinks is a good fit for the program. And you just mentioned the core of players coming back that got a taste of regionals and got a taste of what it what it was like to, to compete in those regional games. Um, and, and unfinished business is the best phrase you can put it. Um, I mean, these guys are – they're out there um, trying to one-up what they did last year. And, and the conference that they're playing in, the Sun Belt, is, in my opinion, probably the fourth or fifth best conference in all of, uh, in all of America. Um, it's, you know, you got Southern Miss coming in. Um, I believe you also have teams like, uh, I mean, I forget all the teams that just moved in the Sun Belt, but all really good baseball teams. Plus you have Georgia Southern, who hosted a regional last year. Um, uh, there's there's no really easy teams in the Sun Belt either. No, it's definitely a, a a grind conference, and like you mentioned, Southern Miss, Marshall, James Madison coming in as well, definitely got even better in, in a baseball standpoint. You know, looking at the national landscape, we talked about LSU being number one. That you obviously have your blue blood programs. Who's a program that that you've kind of looked at in, in preparing for the season, Ben? And, and you're kind of like, look out for these guys. I mean, I hate saying it because I'm not a fan of them usually, um, but the Florida Gators are, are ready to crush some skulls this year. Um, you know, they, they were the 2017 national champions, and they've kind of just 
maintained you know pretty good success every year but last year was was definitely a down year for them even though they hosted a regional which is crazy that that's a down year for them but i think that's a team that everybody's kind of sleeping on in the sec but you look at the roster they have two starting pitchers that are going to get drafted in the top two or three rounds um you got wyatt langford who might be the the golden spikes winner at the end of the year when you look at it someone who hit 24 or 25 home runs last year um, and they just returned so much talent, and then they also, you know, had a very luxurious um, transfer portal as well. So I think Florida's in a good spot, flying under the radar of the LSU's and Tennessee's right now, um, where like you don't want to you don't want to catch that team in, in June. It, they're just too talented. Ben Upton, the host of Eleven Point Seven, joining us here on the game hotline. Ben, appreciate your time as always, bud. Uh, looking forward to doing it every week with you, and uh, we'll talk to you next Friday. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's four thirty Central time. Not, not yes. I'm in Eastern time, so I had that mixed up today. But yeah, absolutely, man. I'm excited to do it this year, and uh, you know, happy to come back on. Appreciate you, Ben. And there he goes, Ben Upton, the podcast host of Eleven Point Seven Apollo HOU's College Baseball Podcast. We're up up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. Score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you'll be on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes from the game. Download the app, win money. It's that simple. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, Matt, let's have a little bit of fun. God. You already struggled with pronouncing Tua Tagovailoa. That came. That gave me a great idea. How about we do a spelling bee of um, athletes' names? You know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I was good at spelling bees. So. All right. Well, I'm gonna start you out with a banger. You ready? Oh my god. Okay. I want you to. Sp- and we're only gonna do like one or two because there's only so many athletes we can do before we just get into like the Russians and it's like there's no shot. Fair. Jonas Valanciunas. I have to spell his whole name. Yeah, first and last okay. name. J O N A S. Yeah. V A L A U N C I A S. Nope. I'm all, I'm wrong. Yeah. V A L U N. Am I right so far? Keep going. C. I I don't know. <laughs> nope. <laughs> what is it? So it's J O N A S V A L A N C I U N A S Valenchunius. Okay, interesting. Valentunas. That is way more letters than I thought that there were in Valentunas. You pretty much had the same amount. You just said like a U instead of an A for the second one. Interesting. And I think you yep. maybe added an extra I 
I don't know. You you're wrong though. Thank you, James. There you go. Spelling bee over. Looking at the poll question. Who do you think is going to Super Bowl 57? What do you think the matchup will be? Chiefs Eagles, Chiefs 49ers, Bengals Eagles, or Bengals 49ers? A couple votes have come in recently, and now it's a tie between Bengals Eagles and Bengals 49ers, both at 41%. 5% is going towards Chiefs 49ers still, and then the other 12.5% is going to Chiefs Eagles. Chiefs Eagles. Who wants to watch that game? Nobody um, wants to watch that game. You're right. Yeah. No, <laughs> no one wants to watch that game. No one Every, wants to watch the Super Bowl. Everybody around here wants Bengals Niners. All the Louisiana kids. I don't think they nest. Here's the thing. People don't, People want the 49ers. That way they don't have to see C.J. Gardner-Johnson and the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. And then you also want Elijah Mitchell to go to the Super Bowl. Sure. Because he's from Erath. Mm-hmm. He's a local kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Looking at some of the comments. Mr. Green, he was saying, I'm saying Bengals Niners. I've had the Niners penciled in since week six and thought it would finally be the Bills year. Nope. So I'm going with the team that knocked them out. And then, by the way, the CE for C, for Kelsey, it's actually Kels. Travis Kels. Yeah, okay. Ralph comments, Bengals burrow their way to the W. Sending Patrick Mahomes. Packing. <laughs> Eagles hurts the 49ers, though it won't be Purdy. Clever, clever wordplay there. There's, he's sending Patrick Mahomes. Like he's going home. Haha. <laughs> very, very clever. James didn't appreciate it as much as I did. Darren says Eagles versus Chiefs. Rouse. Eagles Ralph, Eagles have the strongest team left, and the Chiefs have the most experience. I know Burrow has the Chiefs' numbers, but are y'all really trusting Eli Apple? That's fair. Eli Apple is a certified bum. Even looking at the Facebook comments, Holly says Bengals Niners. Steve... Oh, Salty Steve. Always remember, hot on the left and cold on the right. Water runs downhill. Oh, there's more. The cream will rise to the top, and the Eagles and Bengals will play in the Super Bowl. Edward, Bengals Niners. Aaron, Bengals Niners. Love Elijah, but this is Joe's year. Damien says, Bengals Eagles. And then Mark says, Eagles Chiefs. Mark says, Eagles Chiefs. Eagles, Chiefs. That's no fun. No fun. That's, who, who who do you cheer for in that game? There's no local kid in that game. Clyde. He doesn't play. Still on the team. I just, man, I, I'd much rather see a Joe Burrow, Elijah Mitchell Super Bowl. That just feels so much more Louisiana. And then the Bengals also have Jamar Chase and Tyler Shelvin and... There's just so much to be rooting for in rich Louisiana talent than the Eagles and the Chiefs. Aren't, aren't we tired of seeing Cavs Warriors? It's basically what, what the Chiefs have become. 
They're kind almost the same thing with the Niners. Kind of the same thing with the Niners. Is it though? Kind of, yeah. How many Super Bowls have the Niners played in, in the last five years? One? One. Okay. Chiefs have played in three? Two? Two. Because they won because they won against the 49ers. Correct. And then lost to the Bucks. Oh yeah. Tampa Tom. That's right. Tampa Tom. God, that guy. I'm Tom, so, I'm Tom so ready. Bay. I'm so, Tom Edward Patrick Brady. Oh, look at you, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. I'm so ready for him to retire. God, it's so beyond time. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two, we're going to talk with our guy, Jake Crane. We'll get his picks for the conference championship games and much more. We will talk the Houston Astros. We have audio from their press conference yesterday where they announced Dana Brown as the new general manager. Plus, James and I will give you a preview of each of these conference championship games, give you our picks, and get you on your way to the weekend. You are listening to Crunch Time right here on The Game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home. For the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros, we're back right after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. James, why are you throwing Nerf basketballs at me? That's rude. Hour number two of Crunch Time underway here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. The game hotline is 337 Seven zero six zero one one one, and here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium thirty two point three and Channel one thirty three on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we talked college basketball. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns going two and zero, while McNeese went one and one. Can LSU beat Texas Tech tomorrow and snap the losing streak? It'd be nice. Meanwhile, the LSU women preparing to host Tennessee on Monday inside the PMAC. It is a whiteout game. Tip-off is set for 6, pregame at 5.30 right here on the game. And the LSU was announced earlier today that the game is sold out. Here at hour number two, we will preview the conference championship games. We will talk Houston Astros as well, hiring their new general manager yesterday, Dana Brown, away from the Atlanta Braves. Let's start with our guy, Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company. We do it every week during football season. It's time for Jake's Takes. Jake, what's going on, bud? How are you? Man, I'm doing great, guys. I hope y'all are doing well. So, first, I got to ask, as a Braves fan, are you sad that Dana Brown is no longer in the organization? Yeah, well, my thing is, like, why can't y'all, why can't, why why do y'all have to come take our guys? Like I don't, I, you know, I I know there was a, I guess, mutual parting of ways or you know whatever you want to call it the Braves, but like I just don't understand why the Astros. It's obviously going good. Trust the system, right? You know, trust your system. Just like you go down there and get minor league players to come up to play in the majors. You know, trust your coaching farm system. I just, you know, I think he's done a really good job. Obviously, look at the young talent the Braves have, and uh, just you know how you know really organized they've been and and how efficient they've been in that area and we all know just like recruiting in football how important you know evaluation and and communication and and being efficient is in in that department well supposedly what had happened jake was after the world series james click's contract was up for renewal 
and the negotiations were, were kind of taking longer than I guess he wanted. And so when he was at the GM meetings in Las Vegas, apparently he was running his mouth to other GMs about the negotiations, and it got back to the Astros, so the Astros told him to kick rocks. Yeah, I, I remember that. Everybody, you know, is obviously very interesting watching a GM, you know, part ways with where he is after uh, winning a World Series and him not being like 100 years old. I mean, that was that was something that you don't see every day. And that's what happens, you know, especially at that level. When you're playing playing Game of Thrones, that's basically what you're playing up there at that level of Major League Baseball. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it was an interesting opening to begin with. And you know, I guess it just is what it is. But the Astros, you, you got to trust what's in the sauce because obviously it's working. Jake, college baseball getting underway in three weeks. You know, LSU, the consensus number one. I mean, you you look at that roster up and down, they are just solid. What are your thoughts on the college baseball season? Yeah, it's going to be fun if you're an LSU fan. I mean, that's that's for sure. Like you said, they're they're deep pretty much everywhere. Uh, you know, the bullpen, it's it's going to be interesting. You know they're going to hit home runs and and these guys are going to make solid contact, but it's the depth, I think. And you look at the SEC in general when it comes to college baseball, you're not going to find a better conference in the country. You know, we've seen what Tennessee's been able to do, and, and obviously it seems like every SEC team uh, has a run in them every now and then. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I love it. I'm glad you can now gamble on college baseball. I think that's awesome. I think it's good for the sport. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. It's uh, almost here. All right, Conference Championship weekend. We'll start with the NFC title game, the Eagles and the Niners. Look, you know, you look at these rosters, for every skill player that the Eagles have, the Niners have one that may be better. I mean, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, and then on the other side, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, on and on and on. These offenses are stacked, but the defenses, Jake, might be even better. You know, to quote you know, an an old head coach from Louisiana, uh, Red Bayou, it's going to get awfully physical. Um, you look at who these guys have in the box. These off the, these offensive lines versus these defensive front sevens. The Eagles' offensive line versus Bosa and Terry and Armstead is going to be just absolute must see TV. I'm afraid it's going to cause like a time warp when whenever they're running any gap scheme and pulling. Uh, but I, I can't wait for the matchup. Everybody's picking the Eagles. I like the Niners. I, I really do. Uh, I believe when the Eagles get one-dimensional that they're in trouble, and the best thing about them has been their balance. That's why they're so effective and so efficient and always tend to stay on, stay on schedule uh, is because of that versatility and that balance. So uh, I feel like the Niners are going to make them one-dimensional, and they're just going to find a way. I, I got the Niners by a field goal in overtime. So, you know, Jake, it, it's funny that you, you quoted the water boy because on y'all show this morning, y'all recently started <laughs> doing live call-ins yeah. and, and Bobby <laughs> Boucher called in on the, on the crane well, company line. Yeah, man, we, ju- <laughs> we just started doing them and it was the last call we were taking and uh, this guy calls in, he said he's from Miss- Mr. B from Louisiana. So our producer's like, hey, we got Mr. B from Louisiana on. I'm like, what part of Louisiana? And all of a sudden you hear somebody say, Jackson Bayou and I just knew from then on out it, it's just it was it was hilarious it was good stuff this morning oh man that's fantastic now you know going back to that 49ers Eagles game looking at the the Eagle at the 49ers side of things we talked about the defense Fred Warner Eric Armstead Nick Bosa it, 
it's going to be a great matchup trying to rattle Jalen Hurts. If you had to pick an X factor on that Niners defense, who are you watching on Sunday? Well, I think it's going to Ken Ward play, start playing like he was during the regular season in, in man coverage, and that's going to be tough against this wide receiver core. But, you know, he was he was kind of the, the weakness. He's been a little bit of the weakness, and he's supposed to be the guy. You know, he's very talented, long as a Harry Potter book, uh, can high point the ball effectively, not a bad tackler in open space, can get off a block. But he hasn't been playing his best ball. And, and the Eagles, I mean, they, they can hit a home run at any time. Fred Warner is my favorite linebacker to watch. What he does in the middle uh, just put, is absolutely patrolling uh, from, from, you know, the end of line of scrimmage to end of line of scrimmage and then some. Does a great job of, of you know, being the guy that helps call the plays and, uh, you know, direct things there at the middle linebacker position. So, yeah, uh, the X factor, though, like I said, I think is Ward on the outside. Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company, joining us here on Crunch Time, looking at the AFC title game, the Chiefs and the Bengals. I mean, you you know South Louisiana loves Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dead eyes. I mean, look, there's nothing inside. How do you kill what's already dead? Joe Burrow just has no emotions. Just look at his eyes. There's nothing in there except touchdown passes and good I mean, decisions. Joe, Joe Shiesty, Joe Cool, whatever you want to call him. I mean, he yeah, has just been elite. Uh, again, Joey Clutch, Joey Ice Rain. I mean, and everything. Like, a number. I, I'd say you want some free money. Go ahead and put it on the over at forty-seven and a half. I can't believe that number's there. I I am shocked that number's there. Uh, I don't care if it's raining, sleeting, snowing. What you know, whatever apocalypse. Joe Burrow's going to throw touchdown passes. The the most interesting thing to me is Patrick Mahomes being able to extend plays outside the pocket is responsible for a lot. Not even just with Tyreek Hill last year. But this year is is responsible for a lot of huge plays they get down the field, including to Travis Kelsey. So if that ankle, which we know is not going to be near 100%, if he can only extend plays in the pocket, that's going to take away a, a big threat to the Cincinnati defense. I'm interesting, interested to see how hard they rush him uh, from the outside so they don't overrush him and give him away to bail. I, I'm gonna fi- I, I find that interesting. And then on the defensive side of the ball, DJ Reader for the Bengals, I think, is the most underrated D lineman in the sport. And then we all know how good Chris Jones is there for the Chiefs. But something tells me the Bengals are going to win this one, man. I think it's going to be a, a somewhat of a high-scoring game. But give me Joey B to go 4-0 against Patrick Mahomes and beat him in the AFC Championship twice at his place back-to-back. Looking at the over-under, you brought up Mahomes' injury. Do you think that plays any factor into that number? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think, look, Patrick Mahomes is still more than human even with that messed up ankle. Uh, and uh, the, the weapons are still there. And Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid do such a good job of manipulating the pieces they have regardless of circumstance. That's why one of the scariest things about the Chiefs is that they're so effective in the red zone because they do so many things. And, and their intermediate to short passing game is so intricate and the timing is so nice. It's like walking, watching a good orchestra for like a couple minutes. I can't go there for like two hours. So I can't do that. Uh, but it's it, watching Kadarius Tony and McKinnon and Kelsey and, and what they do with Juju and those guys down there at the goal line. It's always really interesting. So I like a lot of points, but I like the Bengals and Joey Deadeyes Burrow. What were your thoughts on the Frank Reich hire by Carolina? I don't get it. I don't get. I don't get it. Why not just hire Steve Wilkes? And it's not. It's like I said on Twitter. It wasn't a racist decision. It was just a stupid one. Like, look, Frank Reich. Everybody loves Frank Reich. He's like Santa Claus. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. But I, I haven't seen him, like, ball out. I haven't seen it. Just like Santa Claus. All right? But if you're a kid out there, Santa Claus is real. I just haven't seen him. 
Maybe I'm on the naughty list. I don't know. But I, I, I thought you might as well keep Steve Wilkes or go get somebody else. And I've actually heard people say, well, you know, if we'd have kept Steve Wilkes as the head coach and brought in Frank Reich as the OC, we would have only had Frank Reich for one year. It's like, what? what? I, what I just don't understand how Frank Reich is this really high-level, super-duper coach. And he was in charge of getting the quarterbacks ready and deciding who plays quarterback. And you pick Carson Wentz. And I can never believe you again. And then, you know, obviously the coaching story sweeping the league is Sean Payton. And it's kind of starting to feel like it, Jake, that he he might not be coaching anywhere in 2023. Do you think it's because he's asking for too much? No, I, I just think he looks around and he's like, God, I really don't want any of these jobs. Like, what's the best job available? The Broncos? Yeah. Now, I'm not going to do that with Russell Wilson after what just happened. And maybe Russell turns it around, but I'm not making my big entrance, you know, busting out of the Looney Tune sign uh, to jump back in it uh, for the Cardinals. I, I'm shocked, though. I'm shocked that the Chargers didn't fire Brandon Staley. They fired the OC, Joe Lombardi. I'm shocked they didn't fire Brandon Staley. And, I mean, that Pete Buttigieg lookalike, man, that dude, I, I, it shocked me. I can't believe it. But it's the Chargers, so nothing will ever shock me. And, and then last, I just, I just have to ask, you know, obviously the, the DeMar Hamlin story of him – you know, dying on the field, being resuscitated, coming back in in the fold in Buffalo on Sunday, and now there's this conspiracy theory that that wasn't even him? Yeah, look, I have an open mind, all right? Is there nefarious stuff that goes on at high levels of PR? For sure. We all know that. Are there some conspiracy theories that are true? Yeah. But this is just one I don't I don't believe. And when you look at the facts, it really doesn't support it. You've heard Josh Allen and them talk about it. Uh, I, I just feel like this one's a stretch, uh, and, and I'm a pretty open-minded guy. So I don't think – why? It's like my brother said, you think the NFL is, could pull this off? I mean, Roger Goodell can't get anything right. Like, you think they could do this? This is like an Ocean 13-type situation, if that was true. They're not smart enough to do that. We don't even know what a catch is. Like, I don't even know what a fumble is, really, still. Like, there's no way they could pull this off. They don't have the steady hands or the brains to pull off a procedure like that. Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company, joining us here for Jake's Takes. Jake, appreciate you as always, bud. Enjoy the hell out of this weekend and those conference championship games, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, you guys, too. Hey, we're live-streaming the Super Bowl like we did the national championship game, and y- y'all ought to hop in there. It's going to be hilarious. Oh, absolutely. I'll be there. All right, y'all be good. Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company. God, those guys are fantastic at what they do. Uh, so catch their show if, if on YouTube each and every weekday. Again, you know, we, we talked about the conference championship games. Eagles, Niners, Chiefs, Bengals. There's so much to look forward to in those two games. And as a reminder, you can catch both of them right here on on the game. We'll take a timeout. Talk Houston Astros and their new GM. Hear from their new GM next, right here on Crunch Time. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. 
As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like $150 to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort, $50 to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville, $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, and the $25 to Mabel's Kitchen, also at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort. But the only way you can score these great prizes is by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free and it's simple. So go sign up today. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, I just got a feeling that it makes us stronger. Welcome back to Crunch Time, 20 after the hour. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Once again, 337-706-0111 is the number to call on the game hotline. We want to hear from you as there's only 35-ish minutes remaining in today's Crunch Time. James, you look like you have something to say. You, you just try so hard to be cool. You every time we come out, I mean, from a timeout, you're like, "Oh, how can I try and make this clever?" And so then it you, fumbles. But you see, there's the difference. There's the difference. Uh-huh. I tried to be clever. Uh-huh. I don't need to try to be cool. That's where you're mistaken, sir. I am cool. I try to be clever, according, and that's where ac- I fail. According to the world. <laughs> Anyone you talk to, uh-huh. I'm a fantastic individual. I feel like your wife would be like, mm, "No, nah, he's not that cool." <laughs> yeah, she probably would. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> God, you kill me. Anyways, the Houston Astros had a press conference yesterday to announce that Dana Brown would be their new general manager. He spent the last four seasons as a scouting executive for the Atlanta Braves, before that spending time with the Blue Jays and the Nationals slash Expos. He has overseen drafting of some of the top players in baseball, including Steven Strasburg, Ryan Zimmerman, Michael Harris, Vaughn Grisham, Spencer Strider, so many more. Uh, Jim Crane yesterday, the owner of the Houston Astros, opened the press conference with his introduction of Dana Brown. A little background on some of our observations of Dana. Um, He came from the Atlanta Braves and uh, was instrumental in a lot of their player acquisitions and multiple transactions. Um, You know, we went through a pretty vigorous uh, interview process. Uh, Some of the things we found out about Dana, he was very analytic savvy. Uh, He's a great talent evaluator based upon what we've seen at the Braves. Uh, seasoned at player acquisitions, seasoned at player development, uh, and retention. They were always able to extend some of their player contracts. Um, He was a college player. Uh, He played three years in the minor leagues for the Phillies. Uh, He was well regarded by Craig Biggio, who he played with at Seton Hall. Uh, Craig had a lot of great things to say about him. Um, He's got great people skills, uh, excellent communicator, And um, last but not least, he's a baseball player and knows baseball in and out. And um, we were very impressed with that. And also, uh, Dusty's had a lot of great things to say about him, has met Dana previously, 
and we think he'll be a good fit with Dusty. So um, with that, um, uh, we're very happy to have him here today. Um, I, I think he's going to do a great job for us, and uh, we're all here to support him and uh, keep the Astros on the winning ways. Before we get to Dana Brown's statements, breaking news in the world of the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons have named Ryan Nielsen, their new defensive coordinator. I no longer like Ryan Nielsen. Ryan Nielsen just went on the crap list. And you he, know just ma- became, he just became your newest enemy. And you know what made it worse? You want to hear a radio term right here? The Atlanta Falcons shared the picture that he was named defensive coordinator. Their caption, our Nielsen rating just went up. Ha, ha, ha. So funny. Why? Why do you have to leave the Saints and go to the Falcons? Of all teams, the Falcons. Go to Carolina. Go to Tampa. Go to the Niners for all I care. The Falcons? Dude. Like, don't you have a sense of pride for yourself? Their nickname is literally the Dirty Birds. Oh, and, and secondly, they're not good. Never going to be. Terry Fontenot went there too. He made my crap list also. The Falcons. If somebody handed me a Falcons jersey for Christmas, you know what I would do? I would say thank you to their face. And then that night when I got home, burn it immediately. Burn it. Watch it burn. Disgusting. Anyways, Dana Brown, probably my favorite quote from his his statements yesterday. He said that we want to get greedy. I realize that, um, you know, I'm, I'm coming to a winning team. And a big part of what I want to do, too, is sustain the winning uh, long term. So we want to continue to build, continue to sign good players, continue to develop good players, and continue to winning success. Uh, we have this thing in scouting where we want, we, we want to get greedy about winning, and that's what uh, it's all about. How do you go to the Falcons, James? How? I, I, you how? just can't get over it. I can't. That that's eating at me. The Fal- you've been with the Saints for the last six years. You have learned how much the Falcons suck. Oh, I'll take a job there. Atlanta, hot year round. Sure, why not? Can't drive worth a damn because there's traffic everywhere. But you know what? Yeah, I'll go live there. Sure, why not? Ridiculous. Why? They have a nice stadium. That's all they've got going for them. That's it. Their uniforms, they literally couldn't decide what color they wanted their home jersey to be, so it's red that fades into black at the bottom. They literally couldn't make their mind up. That's, that's, oh. Anyways, going back to the Astros, Dana Brown (laughs) continued speaking about... His new job as general manager of the Astros. And he said, what stood out about this organization that made you want to come to Houston? Yeah, so I I tell you, when I first met Crane, I know I was going in and talked to the owner. And uh, I I saw a guy that was pretty humble. I was like, you know, he was talking about, you know, some of his struggles, 
you know, that he had, even like when he was in college, you know, we talked about him being as, as a player. He's not afraid. Like he said, he'll pick up a piece of paper, even though he's the owner, if it's, if it's laying down on the ground. Um, so there were some things about Crane, and I walked out, and I said, you know what? He's a little high strung, but I'm from the Northeast. This is going to be a perfect storm right here. <laughs> you know, I'm a product of Bud Selig. You know, back in uh, 2002, Bud Selig hired Omar Minaya. Omar Minaya hired me uh, as a scouting director, and I've been in the front office ever since. And then I remember um, uh, Manford talking about, like, you know, hey, guys are going to get the opportunity. You know, keep plugging away and don't get discouraged. I had two other GM uh, interviews with the Mets in Seattle. I didn't get those jobs. And I felt like, you know what, it wasn't my time. And when it's my time, it's going to happen. So I'm excited to get the opportunity. I'm, I'm excited that uh, Jim Crane uh, looked at my resume and said, hey, this is a guy that I want to, uh, you know, rub elbows with. Dana Brown you know, again, talking about his time with the Braves, drafting guys like Spencer Strider and Michael Harris. One thing that really stood out when he came to Houston is, you know, he talked about getting greedy about winning and the plays and the players that he's drafted before and the success that he has in evaluation. So he was asked, "What are your priorities here in Houston?" Well, the first thing I want to do is uh, chat with Dusty. Uh, you know, get with him and uh, talk a little bit. And uh, we'll talk about some of the game plans and, uh, you know, what we have coming forward. Uh, but I'm more excited to, to just get there and get acclimated, uh, you know, down in the area. And, um, you know, let's try to work this thing out. Very excited about it. And then, you know, earlier we talked about how he spent time with the Exposed Nationals organization as well as the Blue Jays before going to the Braves. So what have you learned from your jobs with other teams? Actually, let's go to the game hotline now before we get to that audio clip. Jacob, what's going on, bud? How's it going, Matt? Oh, fantastic, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I'll, I'll talk some baseball with you. Why not? Oh, yeah, will you? Yeah. So I was a little skeptical when uh, the, the Strohs parted ways with, with Click. Or I don't even know if it was the Astros parting ways or if it was more on Click's side. Um, but, you know, to think about it, over the past, what, five, six years, we're now in our third GM. But I've got faith. It seems like this dude um, really knows his stuff. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the analytics when it comes to baseball after – the Rays devoted their whole season to analytics, then pulls Blake Snell in the World Series final and loses. Um, but you know what? The Astros are good. We kept the majority of our squad, so hopefully we can go back and uh, into the future as our guys uh, reach the ends of their careers. Yeah, you know, the, the, the thing that I love about Dana Brown is, you know, we talked about Spencer Strider and Michael Harris and Vaughn Grisham that young talent that's slowly becoming the core in Atlanta, one of the first things he did when he realized how good they were going to be was he locked them up to long-term deals. Right. That's huge. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, but that was one of the things. Like, I'm interested to, to see the deals that he makes, like dealing four minor leaguers that are currently out there. Like a big thing for me, I've been an Astros fan forever, and when the Astros really sucked and we were losing 100 games a season – Hundred plus games a season. Yep, I remember I those days. Following, 
yeah, loved loved following our minor league teams, like the Corpus Christi Hooks, right, and seeing Bregman and Correa come up through our minor league system. And I know we drafted those guys, but there were other dudes that we dealt along the way. Like we we drafted Mark Appel with the first pick, traded him and, away and for that other worked prospects, out real well. and then and it, yeah, it worked out for us. And and I'm glad that it was nice to see Mark Appel make it back. And you know he was playing for the Phillies this year, and he made it to a World Series, and I thought that was nice for him. Um, but, you know, I, I'd like to see what he's going to do with our minor leaguers, if he's going to deal them off to get current pieces. Oh, you can hear my little dude in the background. If he's going to get current pieces, or if he's going to uh, let those dudes develop and work them into the, uh, to the system. Because I think, far none, the Astros have one of the best farm systems in all of baseball. Yep, absolutely. Seven-game win streak for the Cajuns, man. How you feeling? Love it, love it. We got to keep it going. Marshall, uh, Marshall dropped their game. Props, props to Coach Richard and, and, and the Warhawks. You won't hear me give uh, Monroe praise often, but uh, I love it when they beat somebody who was tied for first with us. So maybe Texas State can take out uh, Southern Miss on Saturday, and we can handle business at home over the next three, and we'll be looking good heading into our. Uh, Final six games. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Team's fun. Team is fun to watch. Yeah, they, I mean, how do we – last night I was a little worried, Jordan Brown being sick, but we went out there and it was we, – we kicked their butt. Yeah. Keep it PG. We kicked their butt. Yeah, no, no, no Jordan Brown, no problem, am I right? Yeah. Appreciate but, well, you, Jacob. I love to have him. I hope to see him back on Saturday. He, uh, From what we've heard, it sounds like he'll be back on Saturday. Sounds good, man. Are you going to be at the game? Always, always. To the listeners, come to the game. Absolutely. Fun team. (laughs) Absolutely. Have a good one, Matt. Appreciate you, Jacob. Yeah, no, you you should listen to the guy. He worked for the team for years. You should come to the game tomorrow night. 7 o'clock inside the Cajun Dome, they host the Eagles of Georgia Southern. We'll take a timeout. We return. We'll preview the conference championship games. Four teams, two games. Who's going to Glendale? We'll talk about it next. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Don't be worried about it, James. Don't be worried about it. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 538 on your Friday. Getting back to the Houston Astros conversation Dana Brown was asked, what did you learn from your time with the Braves, the Blue Jays, or the Nationals? Yeah, so the biggest thing I would say when you're working for an organization uh, and they don't have a lot of money, you, you, you cannot afford to miss on the draft picks. And so that's, you, you burn that into your brain. That you got to get this pick right. You got to get this pick right. You got to study the makeup. You got you to know the players uh, better than anyone else. And when you, when you come from that type of an organization and you know that you don't have a lot of money and you work on really working hard to get the draft picks right at the top, maximize the draft by getting some picks lower that can add to a major league team. And now if you come in an environment where you have money and you sign good players and then you extend major league players, now you choke the system with players and you got a chance to have a long run. And so that's what the plan is. All right, James, I got a question for you. So Joe Burrow. I love questions. So Joe Burrow. Yeah. 
It's going to be due for a contract soon. Correct. If the Bengals go on to win the Super Bowl, like you and I kind of discussed a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. thinking that they very well could, what kind of contract demands does Joe Burrow have? Ooh, probably top dollar. <laughs> so, probably top dollar. You go to the Super Bowl two times in a row and you win the second one. In my eyes, he talked about it earlier. He had, he had kind of talked about how he wants to be there for pretty much his whole career. And just He wants to be a Bengal forever. He wants to stay in his home state, stay for the team he grew up watching. To me, I think with that becoming the case, calling for top dollar, that's at least $40 million a year. And... I think without having to do a 10-year deal like Mahomes, I think having six years makes a little more sense. That way it's still very much in the realm of uh, we don't have to worry about doing another contract for a while, but it's not too, too long. And then with it being top dollar, I could see it being about 270. It could hit 300 and be 50 mil a year if you really wanted to. Just, just because it's like if if, we're, if you're going to call for that that high, it's kind of how it was with Mahomes for him. It was ten years, five hundred mil, up to five hundred mil with bonuses. Yeah, like I, that's how I could see it. It's like two forty, two fifty guaranteed, and then the rest rounds it up to to about three hundred. So Patrick Mahomes signed a ten year, four hundred and fifty million dollar contract with the Chiefs, including a ten million dollar signing bonus, one hundred and forty one million. guaranteed and an average annual salary of $45 million. In 2023, Mahomes' base salary will be $5.5 million with a roster bonus of $34.4 million and a workout bonus of $550,000 while carrying a cap hit of $46.793 and a dead cap of $94.8 million. A dead cap of $94.8 million. You think that's high. In 2022, it was 130. It's going down. But look, you know, could could I see Joe signing a six-year 275 up to 325? Like six years, 260, the other 40 is a signing bonus. Yeah. Yeah, I could. And if I'm the Bengals, you know what I say to that? Yes, sir. Sign here. Please sign it. Please sign. Sign here. Done. Oh, Jamar has to take a pay cut. We can make that happen. Don't worry about it. You're you're good. We we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that later. We kind of move on from Jesse Bates. That's fine. Right, right. Mike Hilton. We'll find another. We'll f- Eli Apple finally can kick yeah. dirt. My, Mike Hilton. I don't even know who that guy is anymore. Well, it's fine. The defense can suck as long as you're still really good. It's. We will we will be fine. Speaking of that matchup between the Bengals and the Chiefs, let's go ahead and preview it now, James. You know, I I know that there's no injury designation on Patrick Mahomes for Sunday, and that's great for the Chiefs. I still think it. I I still think his mobility is affected. I'm not. I'm not buying it. I still think his mobility is going to be affected. So because when my, we, when you were talking with Jake Crane earlier in the hour. He was talking about how he doesn't necessarily, well, when it comes to the Chiefs, at least, a lot of their big plays and a lot of their touchdowns come when Patrick Mahomes rolls out of the pocket. Correct. He can still make a lot of plays inside the pocket. We saw it against the Jags last week. Mm -hmm. Still end up throwing a touchdown, jump pass in the back of the end zone to Marquez Valdez scaling. You can still see that for sure, but I don't think that's going to be enough. 
Well, my thing is this, you know, and, and maybe I look at it differently than some people. If you take him off the injury report completely, that means that he is 100% without a doubt going to play at full speed. That's the way I look at it. If he's not, if he's going to be hindered in any way, leave him on the injury report and list him as probable. Because mm-hmm. there's a difference there. If he's probable, that means he's probably going to play, but he might not be right. But it's a big game, so he's going to suit up and play anyway. You take him off the injury report, I'm expecting to see full-blown Patrick Mahomes. And I just don't believe that that's what the Chiefs are going to have. So I think if you're Trey Hendrickson or or DJ Reader Mm -hmm. or Sam Hubbard, I mean, you just go at him. Because here's the thing, at this point, it it really all just kind of depends because let's say we watch the first drive and Mahomes, you don't really see an issue. He rolls out a couple times and he throws like a 10-yard pass to like Kelsey or to Scantling or Smith-Schuster. It's like him rolling out early on. <laughs> I was about to say it and I was like, uh, Kels. No E. Kels, no E. Kels, that's, no that's E. What, that's what we're going to have to say. Travis, Kels, no E. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll just have to pretend that E isn't there. But to me, it's like if he's rolling out and you don't really see much of a hobble at all and you don't really see an issue with it, then to me, you really have no issue with taking the over on the points. But if there is still an issue and they're just saying no injury designation to like maybe kind of throw a smoke screen at the Bengals, then to me, you're going to see a lot more runs. You're going to see more Isaiah Pacheco. You're going to see a lot more dump-off routes right away. You're going to see a lot more screens. Yep. You're going to see a lot long, lot more long drives. You're not going to see the deep passes as much. You're going to try and get it out of Pat's hands as fast as possible. The drives are going to shorten. So with that, you might, you're might you going to see a lower score. So maybe Absolutely. that 47.5 ends up being the under. Like maybe you have to take the under on that. That would be interesting. That's tough because even then, if it's 47.5, a 24-23 game is still the under. Right. It's true. You know... I think in the end, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to do most of what he does on a regular basis. He's still able to do like 85, 90% of I what think, he wants to do. I, I think you're going to see a traditional Patrick Mahomes. And like Jake said, he even with a bum ankle, he is still more than he, – he's not human. He's just not. Because Mike Hilton, solid corner, but do you trust Eli Apple? No. Having to try and guard those guys? I don't trust Eli Apple to do anything. To be other than stand there and breathe, and come up with something on Twitter, correct, and and, and talk trash on Twitter. Uh, other than that, I trust Eli Apple for nothing. Um, but in the end, offensively, I, I just think the Bengals have too much. Because because here's the thing with the Bengals on defense: Travis Kelsey, he's still going to get his for sure. Yeah, for but sure. it's going to be a lot more difficult of a matchup because I really like what Logan Wilson could do at linebacker. Absolutely, I love Logan Wilson. Here's my X factor. He hasn't had a big game in a long time, and I think he's due for one. Tyler Boyd? Joe Mixon. Ooh. I think Joe Mixon has a big day tomorrow. You think or he on po- Sunday. You think he pops off a couple big runs and I, like makes you think he makes a touchdown catch? I think he spreads the field with his running game and gets involved in the pass. And gets involved in the pass, has a big day, maybe finds the end zone once or twice. I, I think he's the X factor for the Bengals on Sunday. You think he could hit like five catches? Like yeah, five catches for 35, 40 yards? Yep. I think that's fair. And then put up like 70 on the ground? I think that's fair. I think you could have a really big day. 
I'm looking forward to seeing what what he can do for uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think the Cincinnati Bengals win the AFC for the second year in a row. I could I could very easily see it because I said Tyler Boyd because we haven't seen him as much, but you also have to remember Jamar Chase is the easy one to look at, but every time he's played against the Chiefs, he's come up big. Yeah, absolutely. We'll take a time out, wrap up our number, wrap up today's show, and we'll preview the Eagles Niners right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, use it to listen to the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana, and it's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, Miguel. We've already talked about how... Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Try that again. All right, Matt. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since we've already both picked the Bengals to win in the AFC, let's look at the NFC matchup. Uh, we're going to differ here. It's 49ers-Eagles. It's going to be a hell of a matchup. The, these playoffs overall, they were probably the best that we could that oh, we could have come up with. They've been great. It's been great like, so far. The fact that these are the final four teams... I, I don't think you could have had two better matchups. Give me give me an extra large bowl of popcorn, and I'm just going to sit on the couch all Sunday long. Now, you said we differ, and you have shown your love for one Brock Purdy. Absolutely. Still shouldn't be a Rookie of the Year finalist, but <laughs> fantastic quarterback. Which is a fair point to make. You say you need to play at least half the games. I don't think you necessarily have to play half. I think if you can, if if you play six or seven games, I don't think you should be automatically cut out from the running. But this is going to be one hell of a matchup. Both have really really great defenses. Both the offensive weapons are there, and you do like the quarterbacks for both teams. I mean, they're both absolutely stacked. Yeah, no question. And you know, you you look at the you look at the Niners with Debo and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. And then at running back, you got Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. And you even got, you know, Ray Ray McLeod and Juwan Jennings. And there's just weapons everywhere. And then on the Eagles, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Everybody in between. Absolutely just loaded offensively. I think the key in this game is going to be the defenses, you know, you, you look at the Eagles, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, James Bradbury, Fletcher Cox, you know, just a loaded defense. And then for the Niners, again, Fred Warner, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Jimmy Ward, another loaded defense. As good as the offenses are, I think the defenses in this matchup might be even better. The matchup I'm looking forward to the most is can Christian McCaffrey exploit the Eagles' defense? If he can have a good day on the ground, I think the 49ers win running away with it. If he struggles to run the football like they did last week against 
Um, I'm drawing a blank on who they played. Dallas. Dallas. Thank you. If he if he struggles to run the ball like he did against Dallas, I tomorrow's going to be interesting. That and so you're saying McCaffrey's your X factor? Yeah. Overall, I think for me, I don't have one person as an X factor. I kind of have like more of a group because looking at the offensive lines overall, I don't trust the interior of the 49ers offensive line as much as I do the defensive line of the Eagles because you talk about Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Linval Joseph, and Dominican Sue, Jordan Davis. I mean, you have an absolute rotation of guys and them all being ready the whole time. And then I feel like they can make a push and that's going to make it really difficult for a young QB. Cause if you're coming in from the inside, that's going to be tough because you still have Brandon Graham and others and Hassan Reddick on the outside, ready for you to try and roll out. So I feel like that's going to be the ultimate X factor in the game. And that's why I'm going to make, and I'm actually going to go with an AJ Brown touchdown as well. And that's why I'm taking the Eagles to win this game. See, I'm going with the Niners. I Brock Purdy brings them to the Super Bowl. And then Joe Burrow just embarrasses them in Glendale. Oops. Sorry. Thanks to Ben Upton. Thanks to Jake Crane. James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe. Be well. Hug your mom and them. And we will talk to you on Monday. Recap this crazy weekend of sports right here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.